they look at this as a lifetime experience. So they're going to always have music, whether they go off to become journalists, physicians. Music is always part of the equation. This is Brian Paris for Sounds of Berkeley. Today we'll hear from Crystal Banfield, who heads up Berkeley City Music, a program for underserved youth that helps them develop musically while at the same time providing an artistic community to thrive in. In this episode, Banfield, Associate Vice President of Educational Outreach and Social Entrepreneurship, talks with Stephanie Henning, Associate Vice President for Career and Digital Strategy, about the ways that City Music fosters passion and purpose in its students and about the role music played in her own journey to finding her voice. I am thrilled to be here with you. Thank you. So to start off, can you tell me a little bit about what City Music is and what it does? Absolutely. City Music is a program that provides opportunities for young people, uh, particularly those coming from underserved communities, to receive a holistic education through popular music, through contemporary popular music. Um, We are based here as part of the college, and so the college provides a number of resources. It is the college's um, year-round uh, out-of-school-time program, although we do connect to uh, public schools. Um, we engage faculty and alumni to help to teach and also mentor all of the young people. That extends to what we call a Berkeley City Music Network of like-minded organizations uh, who also uh, foster and do education for young people in through contemporary music, uh, doing something that we call creative youth development, which is the infusement of youth development uh, into um, arts education skill development. And I know we've referred to this as a movement in music Absolutely. education. The big, I would say that the the big uh, what is this idea of equity in education. Um, when you're talking about working with underserved uh, populations, um, they are underserved or, or categorized for a reason. It's because of not being able to have access, not being able to have the kinds of, of resources. And the power of contemporary music, particularly American contemporary music, um, really is uh, their voice. It's their culture, and it's a wonderful way to be able to help to validate them and what it is that they do and to pull them in. They look at this as a lifetime experience, so um, they're going to always have music, but whether they go off to become journalists, um, physicians, um, music is always part of the equation. And what are some of the tools that you use to support that mission? How do you surround these students so that they are successful? Recruiting the right people. Now, what does that mean? They have to have a love for working with young people, having a patience for their development, um, going that extra mile, meaning sometimes we've had situations where um, a young person, you know, the parent has to work extra hours and they just have to sit and wait, but that teacher stays right there with them and does not let them go. Um, that it's a long haul. The students start at uh, age nine, and we may have them up through age 19, and that you're with them at every step of the way, um, crying with them on occasion when uh, there are issues, making sure that they're fed, um, 
making sure that their um, their growth is such that it's always a positive uh, experience and outcome. So looking for the right person uh, means that you want to have folks on the team that help to support that, and that includes faculty and staff. So I'm kind of curious to learn a little bit more about your personal story and your background and what led you to do this work. I'm from Detroit, and I grew up in a time, um, and I would say just post-civil um, rights, U.S. civil rights movement, and my parents were young, um, and music in the household was was uh, just part of who we were. Uh, you have Motown, um, you had uh, jazz, uh, all, all of the different musical voices that were there. And um, music at that time, especially in the African-American community, was, um, it was like a, it was like a call to social action. You know, I can remember watching the adults waiting for the next uh, drop for, drop they say today, but the next record for Stevie Wonder. That was food for all of us, you know, all of those cues. You know, um, it meant being the first to walk into, everybody wanted to be the first, first to walk into suburban market or whatever, you know. I mean, everybody was motivated to do and to act and to be, to, to elevate ourselves. So that that was where what I was grounded in. And then also in the church, that's where I got my first early experiences of music. And I was a working class family Um Arts and education were very important, um, and I knew very early on that I, you know, being the eldest in my family, that it was important for me um, to do something to give back, that I was going to be the torchbearer. Uh, music came that point. It became a turning point because I was um, uh, shy so, so socially. I was kind of awkward. I wore glasses. I have on glasses now. These are reading glasses. <laughs> um, but... You know, at the point in public schools when you get the opportunity to get an instrument, um, I noticed that when I got the instrument and I took it back to the classroom that I suddenly got everybody's attention. It was a violin. And it's like, oh, this is really, really cool. I can do my thing. And so that's what became my thing. My form of expression, my voice, my music, my me. So it was where I could, could find myself. And so from that point on, I really fought to get everything that I could get in terms of um, lessons. My parents couldn't afford it necessarily, um, you know, but they did what they could do. Um, always participating in all of the school events and activities. And I started to feel this sense of, of purpose and success behind it, both at home and in church. Um, and music always was this thing, um, again, among the family. So everybody was taking us out. We were always doing things musically. So it was always something that drove me. Uh, and so again, that was something that I knew lifetime. This is what I want to do. I want to do music. I want to do music education because it's important as a torchbearer to bring it back. Did you study music in college? I did. Absolutely. Where? I went to Howard University. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And studied music education there. Uh, did uh, community service while I was at the, the school. Um, and then went off to do a master's in music and music performance at Indiana University. Mm -hmm. um, still doing much of the same, working with uh, young people in the African-American communities and at the college. 
And then what brought you to Boston? Oh, spouse. <laughs> but job opportunity, because we we landed in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and my husband, who's a professor at, at the college, um, got an opportunity here first. And we were commuting back and forth. And then um, this uh, position opened up for a program called Berkeley City Music. And it just totally read like me. So, you know, we talk about the students. I mean, couldn't we bring some of these students to life? I think of Arnetta Johnson. I think of Tangela yeah. Mathis. I yeah. think of all these amazing students. And you see them when they come in as freshmen and they're kind of shy and yeah. don't really feel like they belong. And But you could tell that there's amazing artistic potential. And then you watch them blossom over the yeah. years. I'll call out Ar- Arnetta Johnson because she... She came through a program that is now a very strong partner of City Music, and that is uh, the program in Camden, um, the Creative Arts High School there, Camden, New Jersey. And um, we spotted her, um, folks coming from uh, City Music from the college. Her instrument is trumpet trumpet but when i saw her and heard her she was also she was playing trumpet and she was playing flugel horn and boy because she plays some flugel i was like she had this old soul when she played flugel it was just beautiful beautiful voice um but there's something about the soul uh that we we identified in her and that is a, a, such a, a giving person um and uh her voice, the, the way that she played her instrument, really, it touched all of us. And it was sincere, it was raw, because she was young. And what is she doing now? She's been performing. Um, she, she's been performing with uh, Beyonce. She's been on tour. Um, and full circle, um, her family of Camdenites, uh, the school and ensemble, were with us at the summit. And one of the arrangements that they performed was written by her. So she comes back, as she does come back here uh, to the college and checks in. So what's your vision as you continue to raise funds for the program? Where do you see this program going? What was What's your ideal scenario five years from now? So my vision would be that we would be able to provide more uh, variety in terms of uh, the offering, the educational offering, um, be able to provide access to more and different kinds of student interests um, and uh, be able to have more relationships, uh, especially as we continue to provide opportunities internationally um, because there's a, a great need out there. And if we can simply share what we've learned, we're doing a lot. Thank you, Crystal, for joining us as a guest on Sounds of Berkeley. It was wonderful to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for the privilege. That was Stephanie Henning and Crystal Banfield exploring the Berkeley City Music Program. This episode was produced by Kim Ashton in External Affairs and recorded by Tony Brown in partnership with The Burn. For Sounds of Berkeley, I'm Brian Paris.